0: yes and then he brought he broke down law of averages and then i studied law of averages and i became obsessed with think and grow rich and so you know those two paired together you get into some bob proctor too you know right but and then you you just believe right I, I i think if you can't believe you can't achieve right it all starts here and, and so you got to be willing to get your teeth kicked in every once in a while
1: Man, sales is tough. I'm just not cut out to be a salesperson. Have you ever felt that way? Selling doesn't need to be so difficult. My name is Harry Spate. I'm here to serve and to help you succeed. Join me as we discuss sales made easy. Hey everyone, what is the good word? So, today with me, I have a young man. I think I could still call him a young man, even (laughs) though he probably doesn't like hearing that. But this fellow, Devin Johnson, is the CEO of a company called Connected, spelled with a K E. He is a, a person that actually went from being a sneakerhead to CEO. He is re imaging the future for business. And at 25 years old, he has built a tech company hitting Inc. 5000's top 500 for two years straight. He empowers entrepreneurs and businesses to innovate radically and how to build out a legacy with, get this, zero dollars, grit, and resilience. So right there, I'm interested. So Devin, welcome Mm -hmm. to the Sales Made Easy podcast. What's a good word today, sir?
0: What's up? What's up? What's up? You know, sales, (laughs) I'm a sales entrepreneur at heart. So I'm excited to spend some time with you today and, you know, get into it. So
1: Yeah, fantastic. So I'm just going to encourage everyone is to find Devin Johnson on LinkedIn. His about section and his why is just off the charts. And you cannot help but like this guy even before you know him just by reading that. So Devin, you have an interesting background and we're going to get into that a little bit, but can you tell us what your business is today and maybe how you got going in it?
0: Yeah, so Connected is a full sales enablement ecosystem from, you know, your outreach process on social media platforms, email automation, pipeline management. And it's an entire ecosystem to save time and simplify opportunity. And, you know, where did I where did that come from, right? I was in digital marketing before I founded Connected. And then before that, I sold shoes, right? You touched on that just a little bit. And, you know, when I was doing digital marketing, I'd build a website. Let's say I built you a website you would then ask me seven out of 10 times, you'd say, well, how, not, how do people contact me or where are the leads? And I got tired of that question. And I also wanted to figure out the eighth wonder of the world in my mind at that time, which was reoccurring revenue. And so Connected was born on a napkin. We actually, I actually found the napkin when I moved to my new house about two years ago. And it's in our conference room now of how I was going to save time and simplify opportunity and you know, here we are four years later with just over 100 individuals and, you know, companies valued at
1: 120 million. So it's it's been wild. Uh, that is wild. There's so much to go on. I love the napkin story. You're, you know, you're relatively young, right? You've lived. I mean, I'm looking at the stuff that you've done and it's just absolutely amazing, But you, before you got into business, you were really started out, I think, in high school as where you started to show your entrepreneurial drive. So can we go back there a little bit and get get a kind of a background here for you?
0: Yeah, so you know, growing up, I was in a divided household from from the beginning. You know, my mom and dad were never married. My dad actually spent the first ten years of my life in a state penitentiary. I did have a good relationship with him, due to my mom would take me to visit him once or twice a month. It was about two hours north in Michigan City, Indiana, and you know, so he he came out and he he was in my life. He was involved, but shortly after him being released. I was in his laundry room, pulled down a laundry basket, and two pounds of weed fell out, and so my dad sat me down. And he's like, your father's a street pharmacist. He's not proud of it. It's what I know. It's how I make my income, and so I grew up in two different worlds. My mom was a factory worker, kept me in a good school, kept me focused, and my dad was a big drug dealer, and you know, street guy. And he never let me glorify. That's one thing I'm I'm madly respect about my father looking back on it. He would never, ever let me say that's cool. I want to do that. He was like, this is wrong, but this is all I know. You know, it's one thing I can, I can chalk that up. My father really helped me with growing up. And I talk in past tense because my dad actually passed away when I was 21 from an overdose. But, you know, looking back, he, he, he really wasn't proud of what he did, but it, it is what it is, right? And so I grew up in two different worlds. You know, I'd go back and forth. My dad was like one of your best friends. My mom was the hard ass that would crack the leather belt on me or make sure I got good grades, you know. But things really, really changed about 15 when my sister got diagnosed with medister blastoma brain cancer, and which is a really rare form of brain cancer that attacks your adrenal gland inside your brain. And so she immediately had to go into a 14-hour surgery the day of finding out that's how serious and how large the mass was on her brain. So same day, she went into surgery for 14 hours. Shortly after that, about two or three days later, my dad admitted a massive struggle with a heroin addiction and then left us for about a year, stepped out on us, left my mom with unemployed due to the circumstance of having to look into the hospital and my sister fighting cancer, and him strung out, and so that's where entrepreneurship started for me was adversity. I knew my mom didn't have much to, you know, a couple months maybe runway, and so I started selling shoes just to help. And at 16, I was had a household by state of Indiana, and went half day three out of four years of my high school because uh, I was a had a household, so I would have a full work schedule or full school work schedule and then I'd go work the rest of the day and so I resold shoes re- meet with them once a month report you know what I was doing and how I was doing it and uh, yeah I mean that's where it
1: started oh my goodness what a story so can I ask how your sister's doing today
0: yeah yeah always uh, cover that in the podcast she's actually still with us she beat the cancer she's known as what a, a Riley miracle child so the Children's Hospital in Indiana is world, world, world renowned in fighting cancer for children. And so she's in the the miracle group where you pretty much every odd was against you in your diagnosis. And uh, she beat them all. So she's still with us. She did graduate high school. She's got a boyfriend. She's got a job. You know, she has her complications, right. You know, walking complications, lots of medication, lots of doctor's appointments, but you know, God is good, man. She she's still with us and living a relatively normal
1: life. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean it's like people have challenges uh but coming through something like that just changes your perspective on life even as an observer, right? Yeah. So during your these challenges, I think finding faith was pretty important for you, right? I actually did not find faith till
0: 18 almost 19 so throughout high school I became an egotist school little shit I thought I knew everything you know pocket full of money I was living on my own at 18 two cars or three cars you know I just thought I had everything just figured out like you know all on me blah 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 just the most ridiculous mindset you know it's one of the biggest things I talk about is like have no ego right like I don't care how much money you're making or what you think you're doing you you need to be a a servant, you need to, you know, learn, you need to, you know, always grow in your own ways. But, you know, back then, I I didn't know any of that. I just thought money ruled the world and I loved making it and that was it, you know, so I was full of myself. Graduated high school and a mutual friend introduced me to my business partner and connected. His name is Cody Harvey. And his introduction, I, I remember pulling up and he gets out, he's in like sweats and stuff. I'm like, wow, why do I got to meet this guy? And immediately start hitting it off and talking about faith and God. I'm like, Cody, I got to be honest. Like, I really struggle with this due to my circumstances that I went through. And so he broke down the three worlds. You ever seen that exercise? Like, it's the world that we live in, the world that is perfect, and then hell, and it all blends together of sin, and it, we live in the middle helps me really understand why things happen to, you know, people and, you know, tough people go through tough situations and they go through it and they come out stronger. Right. And it just really opened my eyes. And that week later I was baptized and accepted faith. I believe I was 19 actually. It was 18 or 19. it's right around. And, you know, it's, it's changed my life. I, I've got to trust God right here that I could see every single day as I'm doing anything and everything. And This gave me a a bigger calling, a bigger purpose in a time where I was full of myself, had very little direction. And, you know, it it really humbled me and and has built the platform I stand on today.
1: Yeah, amazing. And, you know, it's great to hear what you're saying about everything (laughs) naturally, but I really love the part about losing the ego. This is something that people far older than you don't even think about and yeah. it's someone who is working on letting go of ego and realizing the, the bigger picture in life I mean I see here that you view yourself I read it somewhere that you view yourself as the anti-CEO <laughs> yeah is, <laughs> is that, that ego related or what's your thought on that that's all ego
0: related I'm, I'm friends with some amazing CEOs I've I've got an incredible relationship with some of the biggest names you could think of you know and I just in private rooms the way they treat people the way they act not all of them I'm Mm -hmm. talking about some of them is ridiculous it's just like why like why are you know and and so I I I just want to make it known that it's possible for for a few things but one as a CEO like you need to have your ego and flex it in situations. Like, you got to come across confident and that you know your stuff. But you don't need to be an asshole. And a lot of times, CEOs that run very successful companies, they come across as an asshole. And I just don't. I just don't ever want to get to that that point in my life. Right. I'm sure I rub people the wrong way just cause, but that's just part of it. You can't make everyone happy. Right. But I, I, my opinions and the way I feel about it is be servant. You know, we can learn from anyone and everyone and, you know, just always be a, always be a student.
1: Yeah. I so love it. I mean, this is so aligned with my thinking and, you know, life is it's short enough, but we should always be learning to be better And that comes across in business and in life. So if people who are my age versus people who are your age, people who are my age shouldn't have all the answers. Yeah. Right. We're still right. We're still learning. And I just love the fact that when you figured this out at the ripe old age of 18 or 19, when you were the smart ass and you had all the answers, Something humbling happens in life sometimes, or you meet a person that just gives you a whole new perspective. But you have to be have have enough humility where you can look inward and say, "Is this is that right?" I mean, was I wrong all of this time? So mm-hmm. you know,
0: yeah, yeah. No, it, it's it's great, and I I try to instill that into the culture of my company and my future leaders in. Again, ego is a necessity, but the way it's presented is it needs to be in doses.
1: Yeah, totally agree. So where, where can ego be actually helpful to you? Where where do you think that comes in where it's helpful?
0: Big client presentations, boardrooms, raising money, market representation in front of large audiences. If if you're caught in a situation of tight negotiation, ego paired with confidence can easily turn the table quickly. You know, situations, also ego paired with confidence can get you out of it. But, it, you, you know, you need to fall on the sword, then apply the ego, then apply the knowledge, right? You know, I, I think those are five or six good situations where it's it's necessary.
1: Yeah, fantastic. Well, the whole thing about ego is a great conversation. And I, one of the ways that this comes up in sales is that people feel like, you know, if I'm not liked, you know, my world comes to an end. If someone doesn't like me and you said earlier is that some people are just not going to like you just because, And I think this is where ego is healthy because not everyone's going to like us in life. And in sales and business, you're going to face rejection. Have you faced a little rejection since you started this dream with Connected? (laughs) A little. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, in the green
0: room, you know, before we started the podcast, you were like, you asked me about, you know, the way you felt about automation and enablement in general, right? Well, imagine being twenty, twenty-one, with this wild idea—a platform that barely works, a dev team that's well underfunded, and barely enough cash to, you know, build the platform that it really needs to be. Man, I mean, every day I got my teeth kicked in, but I got more yeses than noes, and you know, I kept moving forward. Right, I've had tough skin since a young age due to the adversity, so. You know, I'd say, Harry, I respect your opinion and I respect your time, but you know I've got the next appointment, and I
1: know there's a yes down the road. So oh my goodness, I love it. how where did that come from with you? that knowing that there's a yes down the road, I just love that.
0: I, I think it really was just instilled from always, you know, having to fight through different situations as a kid. But then I had a a, a good early mentor. His name was Glenn Cunningham. he He ran direct sales offices for a t and T. And I shadowed him for two weeks, three weeks, maybe in how he would do door-to-door sales. And he he just like, I know I'm going to get 15 no's and then the 16th is a yes. And and it was like clockwork. I mean, he would go through 15 no's and the 16th was a yes. And then he, brought, he broke down law of averages. And then I studied law of averages and I became obsessed with Think and Grow Rich. And so, you know, those two paired together. You get into some Bob Proctor too, you know, right? But and then you you just believe, right? I I I think if if you can't believe, you can't achieve, right? It all starts here, and and so you got to be willing to get your teeth kicked in every once in a while.
1: Yeah. So, guess what? Napoleon Hill keeps coming back, doesn't he? It's just it's amazing how many times that book comes up with successful people. So, yeah, kudos to to you.
0: That is a foundational book. Like if anyone's listening to this and they feel like they always hear about it, they've never read it. It will change your life if you apply it. It, People read all these books. And I I know people that are in my age group and they're like, oh, I read a book a week. I'm like, dude, you're in the same spot you were last year. So you obviously aren't doing anything with what you're reading. Because I can read two books a year and you know, change my trajectory of my life, right? From just applying it in a year versus, you know, income, lifestyle, all the above, but you read a book a year and you don't do shit with it. You're, you're wasting your time.
1: Yeah, totally agree. I had a person, I had a conversation with one time and about this, I said, it's like, is it make sense to read a book a week or two books a week, or does it make sense more to read a couple of books a year and dive deep into them? Because there are books out there that you could just do a deep dive. I know a fellow who's read Think and Grow Rich over a hundred times. And it's just, it's what he lives by. He's got this biblical looking version of the book and he carries it around and he changed (laughs) his life.
0: Yeah. I Not do today. have, I do have that biblical copy. <laughs> okay, <laughs> It's like gold leaf. Exactly. It's like thick. It's like, yeah. I actually have it myself, but a book <laughs> that I'm doing a deep dive this year on is uh, Tim Ferriss's tools of Titans. Mm, okay. So it'll, it'll give you a summary of an interview that he did. You know, he's had however many podcasts I don't know now, but it's a combination of all of the top guests and it'll be background, and then exactly how you can change and you know, change your life and apply their thoughts and processes into your business or fitness or wealth. I mean, it's got every tactic. The book's like this thick. It's the biggest book I've ever attempted to work through. But every morning I just read two or three little snippets and you just learn. It's just a wealth of knowledge.
1: Yeah, so the whole idea of reading to read a book Versus reading to make an impact is like night and day. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I agree. You know, the the, the book that, so I I know where, the, the, I'm not sure where this conversation is going, but I feel like I need to break up is something that you said about mindset. I think we could control our mindset. And I'm not sure if the author of the book, I'm thinking about Carol Dweck, but she talks about the growth mindset mm-hmm. and there's so many people are just living lives that they feel like they can't get out of. They can't pursue their dreams because they just feel uncomfortable leaving the comfort zone, right? So this this idea of mindset matters, which I believe was one of the things that you said was the first, one of the top three things that you said. In, yeah, okay. Oh lying. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what's your thought on that for? helping people get out of that comfort zone, so to speak?
0: Well, I believe to to really move forward, you you have to forget the past. A lot of people stay in the comfort zone because they dwell on where they came from. So for instance, let me use me, right? I could dwell that, you know, we were on the brink of losing everything. And my mom was a factory worker. My dad was a drug dealer. So I'm okay Accepting a you know fifty sixty thousand dollars salary at a respectable company, and that's good for me. I'm comfortable, bills are paid, and I'm happy with that. Or I could be where I'm at now, defying logic, and try to disrupt and be the first person to lead a sales enablement market roll-up since it's been established. Right. But you know, if I would hold on to my past, if I kept holding on to it. I would probably be in some mediocre position right? But it'd be better than where I came from, right? So a lot of people dwell on the past. I always say, forget the past to be able to move forward. And then they don't know how to build confidence in themselves. A lot of people don't understand the word confidence. They understand that they need it. They don't know how to build it. And it's very simple. It's keeping small promises to yourself, right? Like if you promise yourself that you're not going to eat a fucking donut at 9 a.m., don't eat the donut at 9 a.m. when everyone brings it into the office, right? So, you know, you think that it's not a big deal at the moment, but subconsciously you just told yourself it's okay to not keep the promise, to keep the goal, to keep the progress, you know, progression moving forward. And, you know, those are the two biggest things I think it comes into the comfort zone and moving out of it, right? You have to be able to let the past go. You have to be able to keep confidence in yourself and where you want to go but then you can get into your why then you can get into your vision right and a lot of people struggle with that you know and they don't even know where to begin with their why or their bigger vision it, you know and i I've, I've got tactics and stuff that's helped me throughout the years challenge that but simply creating a list of desires and putting little names next to people that you know, is on your LinkedIn or your Instagram or your Facebook that could help you get to where you want to go It's just a great place to start on getting out of the comfort zone or starting that business or starting that career or going to college, you know, whatever it may be. Right. So I think that's a good three-step process for the listeners to, you know, grasp on becoming, I like to call it abundance. It's one of my Mm -hmm. favorite words. I have a, I have a Ferrari 458 and the license plate is abundance. So I, I, you know, think very abundantly, move in abundance, accept abundance, you know, and and, and it all starts with really those three things I just talked about.
1: Wow. All right. So you have a few employees. I think you mentioned around 100 or so employees. Yeah. Yeah. How do you instill? I think this is a challenge for some. Is instilling these values that you have without fear that everyone's going to leave and start their own business or do something. I mean, because there's people out there that are obviously saying, I want to keep my people down so that they stay here longer. What's your thinking on that? Anti CEO.
0: (laughs) Complete BS thinking, right? I've had several employees go start their own businesses and I've supported them, funded them, bridged them, all the above. And I fully support it. But what I've actually recognized is a lot of my core leaders inside of Connected that I preach this stuff, they watch my content. You know, we post 160 videos a month from me. Of course, they're absorbing it and listening it into it. And they'll probably listen to this podcast. I encourage them to grow and think more abundantly. But they understand Connected's a foundational piece for them. They understand that this is a two to five year play with with Devin and working together. We're gonna to go get a big win together. And now they know how to prioritize real relationships. They know how to complete a transaction. They know how to do follow-up. They know their operational side. They they understand they're they're getting a you know doctorate degree in business working with me and going and, and helping me build, you know, the the greatest sales enablement ecosystem ever, right? And so a lot of them, they they love the the ecosystem and, and understand that's a launching pad for where they want to go. And my average age at Connected, I think, is 31 or 29 to 31. It's between there. That's an HR question. But, <laughs> you know, so relatively young workforce and they know they have a, a lot of years ahead of them. And, you know, I, I'm very generous with stock options and, and they, they have a A lot of people involved in the company have a significant piece to and and interest, but they also know if the timing is right, they just need to talk to me. Mm. So, but I think approaching again, abundance, right? I believe abundance, I preach it. And, and, but if you walk in thinking my employees need to be below me, you're approaching it with scarcity immediately. So you're, you're welcoming scarcity into your, your ether, your ecosystem. Yeah.
1: So do you feel like you can speak to your employees and get ideas from them to make the business better? Oh,
0: yeah. I mean, we run off of EOS, Entrepreneur Operating System. You may have read, you know, mm-hmm. Scaling Up or a book, you know, a two around EOS. And, you know, every every week there's there's ideation and and execution discovery and solving problems, right? That's the core of EOS. You know, I'm completely removed from the day-to-day of Connected because I encourage my leaders to be able to innovate, collaborate, and ultimately execute. And And I think, you know, a lot of you ask me, well, over the last three, four years, why haven't some of these leaders, you know, just bounced? It's because I keep letting them level up and step up to be able to, you know, be an entrepreneur, Right an entrepreneur yeah. inside of an organization that gives them a good foundation.
1: Wow, yeah, so that's that's just phenomenal. I, I think people feel stifled in a lot of companies that they're not reaching their potential, but you're telling me that you can reach your potential, pr- potential, easy for me to say, as an entrepreneur inside of an organization that's scaling. That's Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? I love it.
0: Yeah, so my, my thought is like, if you have, let's say, I think the average income at Connected is around seventy grand, right? So great income, you know, great earning potential here at Connected. We're, we're very abundant in how we pay and how you can earn money, and, and you know, great structure where we want to make sure our people are taken care of financially. So if you have this beautiful foundation of income that a lot of people wish for, and you have the ability to learn how to be a good leader, and you have the ability to innovate, you have the ability to collaborate. What other desire could be untapped there? You're getting the resources of how to level up. You're getting the real world experience and you're making money. And, you know, let's say 95% of my workforce has stock. So all the upside is in their, in their hands too. So I, I think some crucial mistakes that CEOs make is, is, is a little bit of greed where they don't want to halt, give up anything. They know it all they're the end all be all this third their idea so the show stops within and I, I look at the organizational chart in my mind and I'm at the I'm at the bottom of the org chart and and my leaders and, and everyone else is above me
1: yeah that's insane so yes this anti-CEO thing is becoming more and more clear <laughs> so but it's really that humility and servant-mindedness that yeah. you're putting yourself in a position to serve people so that they can be better, that they can reach their dreams. And I think a lot of people want to be an entrepreneur for the wrong reasons. And that wrong reason frequently is they've got a bad boss. They've had or, some bad experiences or or what's your thought?
0: It's money. They think, Oh, I can do this by myself. But then you know, I'm not gonna name any names in the podcast, but I've had people in in the run of connected leave and come back and 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 say the grass wasn't greener because you go from let's say you're you're in sales ops for connected, you go from again all the things we just listed and one focus to shoot. I've got to do accounting and tracking and CRM and follow. You got to do anything and you know all the above and they don't they underestimate the workload there
1: yeah this is and it is probably good that when you were a kid that you started out without any baggage I mean you had baggage of a different source but I'm not trying to minimize that but you never were comfortable really in the job and had the family and all those things where people feel tied down so do you think you would have been any different if, if when you if you stuck with the job that you said gave you the fifty thousand dollars do you think you would be i know this is super hypothetical but i'm curious as to what you would think if your life went that way if you would be able to break I've, from it.
0: i've actually thought about it before and uh you know i always joke with my wife that when this run is over i'm going to go get a a real job just just to see what it's like but there was a small brief period where i was in transition between marketing and some stuff really blowing up in my face and really my second big failure where i thought about going to sell cars i love cars big mm-hmm. car guy it's like i'm a gearhead i love speed i love cars you know i love cars for the, for all the right reasons versus pumping my ego right that's another topic but and, you know, the, I look back and I'm like, would I be making the, you know, I just felt a bigger calling. Every time I look back at where I'd be at, it's like my gut goes warm and pulled down. And it's like, no, you have a bigger calling. You, you, you've got a bigger calling to, to create servant leadership, you know, lead people to faith and and ultimately get into the I, my end goal is to run a nonprofit called showcase so but that's a different topic but you know and and i just feel so strongly about that i just i think i'd ultimately be back to some sort of entrepreneurial path but yeah that's my yeah. take on
1: it yeah so big dreams you're obviously you're not i mean you've got so much life ahead of you i mean God forbid anything were to happen. But right when you look at age 25 and you say, I've got the next 50 or 60 or 70 years, even, I mean, do you listen to Gary V at all?
0: Yeah, yep. Actually, yeah. I, I know Gary relatively well. we'll be okay. doing, yeah, yeah, we'll be doing Connected, we'll be sponsoring all of VCon in Indianapolis. That's oh, where okay. our
1: headquarters. Is.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep.
1: All right, fantastic. Yeah. So t- tell me where I was going to go with that. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, and probably the, just the generational wealth stuff that he always talks about and, and never giving up and always push. You know, I was in church service Sunday, and it, it kind of reminded me, gave me the Gary Vee vibes, and it, they were like, when you think you arrive, there's another level, there's another calling, and you always need him. You always need God in your life. You know, don't forget where you come from and never settle. And that was the message from Sunday service. And I was like, oh, that was like a Gary V segment right there. But in like church format, it was pretty good. Yeah. You know, that's ultimately the Gary V vibes summarized. In my opinion is you're always going to, as long as you stay consistent, you're going to break new barriers, never settle, keep pushing forward.
1: Yeah. And I love the fact that he says you have time on your side. Yeah. And it's just, you know, when you're when you're pursuing the dream, a lot of people get frustrated. But, you know, in your case, it took just a few years. Mm
0: -hmm. Right. But I mean,
1: it was I'm not saying the years were easy, but looking back at it, it's not like it's 20 years to build something. But you put yourself in the right. I mean, you built up your mind set, which is probably the first thing. Versus going out and struggling and then, you know, becoming destitute and then reevaluating and say, oh, I need to work on what's the six inches between the ears, right?
0: And one of the things that people undervalue or don't talk a lot about on in podcast about kind of getting through that chewing glass phase, whether it's a year for you or two years or three years, whatever it is, they, they fall into a game of comparison, Mm. So they hit Instagram and they see see me flying around on a plane or or they see Gary V flying around on a plane or they're like, shit, that should be me. Why isn't it me? Why isn't it me? Then they go back thinking about the past and using comparison in the blame game and you just start to lose self-confidence. So like one of the things that really helped me for a year, I unfollowed like all the gurus and all the... Stuff I would just compare to, and I also like disconnected from my family too. This is kind of brutal, but they have a lot of negative thinking, so mm-hmm. I disconnected, and then I removed comparison. That was the biggest growth year I've ever had personally.
1: Yeah, I mean, th- you remind me of a couple things there with Jim Rohn and saying you're the average of your five closest friends. Mm-hmm. And so when you surround yourself with good people and you're doing the right things for your business and for your mind and so forth, you got to let go of the people that are breaking the average down.
0: Yeah, you do. Right? Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, I love Jim Rohn, by the
1: way. Yeah. I still yeah. listen
0: to Jim Rohn. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Me yeah. too. I've got probably 15 CDs that I put in the car. Yeah. It's like
0: time for a little Jim Rohn. Yeah. It's still using the CDs. I love it, man. That's great. <laughs> that's great you got you, you got like the unbreakable disc tapes from Tony Robbins too probably
1: <laughs> well we won't go into cassettes all right so we'll, <laughs> yeah yeah that's awesome <clears throat> excuse me I was just but someone gave me I mean I didn't know who Jim Rohn was I mean three years ago I didn't know who Jim Rohn was Really? And I remember listening to Motivation while I was mountain biking in a way that you would not call mountain biking. It's a mountain bike, all right? But it wasn't really mountain biking. So I'm listening to these people like Les Brown, and I'm not familiar with them. I mean, I just didn't listen to them or didn't really hear them speak before. And so I'm telling a story on a video about some guy. I think it might have been Les Brown, I said- And then there's another person that I bring up is Jim Rohn. And I must've looked like a real knucklehead. It's like, here I am in my fifties and I'm talking about people that everybody else in the world knows and they're new to me, right? But that was where the growth mindset really started to kick in. As I listened and watched a lot of YouTube videos and listened to Gary Vee podcasts, it's just, they changed along with podcasting with people like you changed my life.
0: Jim Rohn was... Tony Robbins mentor,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah. And Earl Shove, right. Was the one that, yeah.
0: Yeah. And Jim, Jim, he was the first multimillionaire from multi-level marketing Hmm. direct sales. I don't know if you know where he made his money, but yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, he made his, yeah, this is a great story. I mean, not unlike you, he was, he went from $0 to millionaire in his, in his twenties, really, I think in his mid twenties, when he tells a story about being the twenty five year old, I got no money in my pocket. Yeah, <laughs> Creditors yeah, yeah, are yeah. calling. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, oh. this is this is great. I know we. I wanted to talk about a topic that I just want to throw this out about the future for AI and sales enablement for us older school salespeople that feel like, well, maybe. This is an area that we need to adapt to because it's not going away. So I just wanted to touch on that. What's your thought about, you know, adapting to the future for people that have been around sales forever?
0: Yeah, you know, it's one of my favorite words in business is you have to be willing to adapt, right? Look at I think the biggest, you know, change in business ever was COVID, right? Everyone had to adapt to online or you went out of business, right? And so there is a new wave of the way conversations and opportunities are going to continue to fill sales pipelines for, for organizations that are looking to grow. And you need to, to be open-minded to it. I, I love the concept of your book with Selling with Dignity. I'm a relationships over profit is in my Instagram bio. I'm a people person over profit profit myself like i just i love everything about the integrity of doing a good deal however getting in front of that person is harder and harder and harder to, to, to even have the opportunity to sell with dignity you know using your book is is getting the meeting right right and, and these processes and technologies do you know help you with that and connect its mission of saving time, simplifying opportunity while you know, keeping the integrity of, of relationship first, first is, is a real solution that's in the marketplace, right? And these, know there's other products that are doing very well and, and have every intention of keeping the human element there, right? I don't think we'll ever get to a spot where a large transaction is completed without a human. I just don't see that happening for a very long time we're getting the opportunity to talk to the right people to lead to that transaction, you need to be more, a lot of people need to be more open-minded on, on how that's being done, how it's being performed. A lot of people frown upon automation and sales enablement. Guys, I'm in the industry. I'm, I'm leading mergers and acquisitions right now. This industry grows two to three times every single year. You have to wake up and be more open-minded around, okay, what, what could a solution like Connected that really values relationships do for us? Or what could a you know a a, a gong do for us in our sales calls and analyze what what could have went better or what went wrong you know what what could GPT do for my copy and and saving me time right you know that's all that's all that I would say is start there you know what 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 would and what could it do for me and ultimately I, I recommend you partner with a company that feels of integrity and feels. Like you, you know, you're, they're leading with their best foot forward, but it is technology stuff does break and it's never going to be perfect. So just, just keep, keep that in mind.
1: Yeah, it's fantastic. It's such great stuff. Devin, you've been a real blessing to have on the podcast. I love the story. I love the attitude. I cannot wait to have this video play in front of my 20 something year old children and say something like, you need to follow and watch (laughs) this guy. And, you know, he becomes your role model if they'll listen. But yeah, I just love everything what you're doing. And I'm, you know, as far as the automation is concerned and enablement, you got to have an open mind, folks. No matter what the age is. I mean, years ago, people said, you know, that telephone thing. For crying out loud, I'm face to face.
0: I yeah. could never
1: use something like that. I can only <laughs> speak face to face with people. Then email, everything that has been with technology, we've learned to adapt. It's just sooner or later, but we're going to adapt. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, it's a great, great, great way to summarize it, Harry. And it was an absolute honor to be on the show. Um, I'm a big supporter of anybody that hosts me, and we'll be sharing the content, tagging you. And uh, I look forward to collaborating with your audience and vice versa.
1: Yeah, it's great stuff. Looking forward to continuing the relationship. Give my love to Gary Vee, tell him he's changed my life. Will do, <laughs> yes, sir. All right, I man, appreciate great it. stuff. Thank you. Man, sales is tough. I'm just not cut out to be a salesperson. Have you ever felt that way? Selling doesn't need to be so difficult. My name is Harry Spate. I'm here to serve and to help you succeed. Join me as we discuss sales made easy.